God is so good to us, and we sing this morning that we exalt Him. We have so many reasons to exalt God today, don't we? God is ever worthy of our praise. Um, and uh, this morning, I'd like to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to First uh, Corinthians chapter three, as we continue our study of of this this powerful and challenging book, First Corinthians chapter three. Imagine um, next Sunday you come to church and uh, there's a new couple maybe sitting in your row, someone you've never met before, and you start talking to them and, and uh, you sort of connect and, and uh, they say, hey, we would love to have you over to our house uh, later on this week for dinner. Would you like to come over for dinner? And you say, sure, I'd like to get to know our, our new friends a little better here. And so you show up Friday night at the appointed time and uh, you, um, you discover that that even though they seem to be maybe a little bit, um, uh, maybe I always say this like nicely, but a little bit older in age, there's a lot of lot of baby stuff around, a lot of toys, a lot of you know little um, you know swings and saucers and uh, baby paraphernalia. You know when you have little ones, it just kind of like takes over sometimes. You see a stroller there on the porch and. You think, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe they spend a lot of time with their grandchildren. And, and, but you, you hear over the course of the evening sounds from the hallway, and, and then they begin to, to say, like, we're sorry, that's, that's our baby, just making a lot of noise. Um, would you like to meet our, our newborn? And you're kind of thinking, you guys have a newborn? Okay, well, all right. Maybe, you know, Abraham and Sarah, all right, maybe God pulled this off. And so you walk down the hallway into the nursery, and you turn the corner, and in the crib, you see a fully grown adult male with a big beard and uh, food just kind of all over the place. And uh, he welcomes you with his deep voice. Uh, he's got his, uh, his feety jammies on and his pacifier and his blankies all ready for bed. And uh, he's talking baby talk with his mom and dad as his mom tucks him back into bed and and uh, she introduces you uh, to uh, their, their son, Johnny, um, who's uh, 56 years old and uh, just as cute as could be, uh, their little baby Johnny. And you would probably, if you didn't like run out immediately, maybe you politely finished dinner and on the way home, you and your spouse would have a, uh, a unique conversation about what you just encountered, this, this man baby that was in uh, this couple's house. And you would rightfully have some concerns, some deep concerns about the situation. Well, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he essentially is going to tell them, you guys are grown-ups who are acting like babies. You should be acting like grown-ups. You should be spiritual adults, yet you're still spiritual infants. And there was something wrong with that. There was a problem with that. Just as if uh, you had a 53-year-old who you treated like an infant and who acted like an infant, uh, just as that would be an issue, um, so too there would be an issue that with this, spiritually speaking. And uh, we all know that if, if there are, uh, in, in, uh, naturally speaking, there are, there are reasons for delays. There are reasons why someone may not progress in maturity. But for a healthy individual, uh, we expect certain stages of growth. 
uh, and, and, and to be a, a mentally and physically healthy adult and still acting like an infant, we would have concerns. Well, Paul is saying that here with the Corinthian Christians. I have concerns. You guys should be grown-ups, and you're still acting like infants. And so I want to read this passage and then talk about that a little bit this morning. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there, while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, behaving only in a human way? For one one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos' water, but it's God who gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but it's God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. The title of today's message is Time to Grow Up. Uh, Babies, when they are babies, are adorable. Uh, Adults acting like babies are not. And the Apostle Paul wants these Corinthians Christians to know that they should have progressed further right now, or further at this point in their faith. And so I want to talk for a few minutes about a hindrance Uh, to growth, a hindrance to growth. He says, but I, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people. Now, I want you, I want to just to note that he, he, he sort of softens what he's about to say by reminding them that they are brothers. He says, I want you to know brothers. He's, he's reminding them that, that he's in them with this. They, they are believers. Uh, I believe this passage, uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of debate. Is he talking to Christians, non-Christians, or some other different category. I believe that these are Christians here. He calls them brothers. He's already written at the beginning of chapter 1. He calls them saints together uh, with him. Um, He he, he, uh, calls them um, uh, his fellow workers, and he gives thanks to them, to the way that God has has, uh, enriched their lives through his word. So he sees them as believers, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ but those who are spiritually uh, hindered in their growth. And so, as he goes through these couple of verses, he's going to give us a few um, marks of spiritual infancy. As we read these verses, there are a few things that stand out uh, to us from uh, his description of them. Uh, First of all, someone who has remained in spiritual uh, infancy is someone who is empty. Someone who is spiritually empty. Verse 2, he says, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready. They were still milk drinkers when they should have been taking solid food. You know that when your baby begins to progress beyond that stage of just needing only milk, uh, you begin to realize quite quickly that milk is no longer sufficient. They, they need some solid food. And maybe... 
Maybe during that stage, you know, you have a, uh, a babysitter watching them or uh, a ma, uh, you know, mother-in-law or a grandma uh, taking care of the baby, and maybe they haven't had a chance to feed them yet, and they're still kind of under the old regime of, hey, you'll give them the bottle, feed them, and, and all of a sudden they're realizing that the baby's still fussy, the baby's still acting like they want more, and you're like, man, they drank a full bottle, why are they still hungry? Well, it's because they, their body is progressing, they need more, their body is longing for some of that solid food, some of that, uh, that baby cereal that's oh so appetizing. Uh, Man, some, I don't know, some of that stuff that uh, they come up with, I've, I seriously, it had to be a joke or something, but I'm like, I, there's like, you know, when you're trying to feed, like, any, anything that was green, I could just never, like, I'm, I'm like, buddy, I, I'm telling you that you have to eat this, I wouldn't touch this, like, this is as close as it's going to get to me, like, uh, you know, like when, you know, sometimes you're trying to get them to do it and, and you'll take a little bite. Like I would do that with a fruit, like, oh, this is good. Like I could be genuine. But then with that green, mushy stuff, you're like, mmm, mm, 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 it's yummy, isn't it? Like you, I still can't even get it like within a few inches of my face. It just smells so bad. I can't handle it. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I'm doing this to you. But they say you need this. So whatever. Here you go. Here it is. But they, but this, this. This person spiritually, these people that Paul's talking about here, they were spiritually empty. Their, their bellies weren't getting full because they were still drinking milk when they needed that, that solid food. This isn't the only place. Oh, before I, I pull up the next reference, I just want to say this. Um, there is a necessary infant stage. I hope that, we, that maybe that goes without saying, but I just want to emphasize that. There is a necessary infant stage just with, his, with us as humans and with our, with our kids. Uh, the same is true spiritually. Paul says, when I came to you, I fed you with milk. And he doesn't chide them for that because they were new believers. You, you know, so as a new believer, there is that time that is milk. You, know, you can overwhelm a new believer by, by throwing meat at them just as with a with a, a one-week-old, you're not going to feed them steak, even nicely cut-up steak. You know that they have to ease into that. So there is a time for Christians where there is that necessary infant stage. He does not chide them for that. But he's, what he is chiding them for is you should have progressed beyond that. He says, in fact, you are, not, you are still not ready. And there's, there's an emphasis there in the Greek where there's an implied rebuke. You should be ready, but you're not. I just want to make that point that there is a necessary infant stage, and that's okay. Um, but Hebrews 5, uh, the, the believers there were dealing with the, the same things. In Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14, the writer of Hebrews says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. So these people were folks that should have been not only growing spiritually, but being able to explain the Word of God to others. For by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is still a child. But the solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There is an expectation in the Christian life that we progress beyond the basic elementary things of the Word of God and go deeper into the Scriptures. Now, to define milk uh, is, we could just simply say milk has to do with the basics of the Christian faith. Just the, the very elemental things of what it means to, to become a Christian and how I spend time with God and how I get to know God 
and how I begin to read and study His Word. Just those early things. There's really a lot of parallels to early childhood development um, that, that you can bring into the, the, the infant and child stage of spiritual growth. But at some point, and it's different for everyone, but at some point you need to begin, begin to go on to solid food. A solid food is not necessarily learning more doctrines. The Apostle Paul has just said in chapter 2, he's like, I've, I strive to know nothing among you except for the cross, like Jesus and Him crucified. Paul, uh, in, in, in uh, uh, chapter 15, he's going to spend a whole chapter talking about the resurrection. Uh, so Paul, Paul loved to come back. It wasn't that the, the cross and the resurrection, that those were the basic elementary doctrines, and then we moved away from them. No, no, the, the meat is going deeper into those doctrines, um, being able to say more than just, uh, yeah, I know Jesus loves me, and I know Jesus died for me, but what does the cross mean? What are the implications of what He has done, and how can you describe that to someone? Those are, is your, that's, that's beginning to get into the meat, going deeper into the Word of God, not necessarily learning more doctrines, but going deep in, into those truths that you first learned. You don't have to be a professional theologian to be a meat eater. Uh, notice this is an expectation for everyone. He's not saying, he's not just speaking to people who went to seminary, went to Bible college, who've been Christians for 50 years. No, these are people that had only been a Christian for a couple of years here. But he said, listen, you need to be progressing, showing signs of progress. If you have a, a, a child that you see is not meeting some of the benchmark standards of growth, maybe in their education or in their physical development, you will probably take them to, to a specialist, whether it's a doctor or an educational specialist, to find out how you can get them to catch up. What are some things you can do to begin growing? You don't just let it be, ignore the problem. You would step in and intervene, and that's what Paul's doing here. These are Christians that should have been growing, and their growth had, had stopped, it had been stunted. And he said, you should be taking in solid foods, and you're not. You're not. I like what John Piper had to say about meat. He said, uh, being, um, being, uh, being someone who eats meat doesn't take a big brain. What it takes is less jealousy and strife, less pride and self-assertion. The solid food is not for smart people, it's for humble people, people who've stopped pursuing the pleasures of self-confidence and self-exaltation and self-determination, people who now want only to boast in the Lord and give Him all the glory for whatever good there is in the world and their lives. How about you? Are you someone who is taking in meat, or are you content to, uh, to just simply stay on the basics, the, the, the foundational things that you first learned? Have you gone beyond what you first learned as a, as a new Christian, have you gone deeper? Are you eating the meat of the Word of God? That's what Paul calls us as Christians to do, to progress, to grow. One of the second characteristics here that I wrote down is uh, worldliness. Uh, they're empty, they're starving, they're still hungry because they're not getting filled. And then secondly, they're worldly. They're worldly. Spiritual, immature Christians are, according to this passage there, he uses several different phrases depending on your translation, but here in, in the version I'm reading from, he says I, in verse 1, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. People of the flesh. Um, he says at the, at the end of verse 3, you're behaving in only a human way. You're of the flesh. Um, um, uh, some, like King James uh, translated this carnal 
You're still going back and living according to your old desires. Um, some definitions of this, uh, this term could be people who are moved entirely by human drives. People still living by their natural inclinations. It says, uh, according to this passage, these are men and women who are Christians, but they're living and acting like they don't have the Holy Spirit. They're being controlled by natural human impulses rather than by the Spirit of God. You know, as a Christian, the Bible tells us that we can choose to live according to the flesh, living according to those old desires. I was trying to describe this a little bit to uh, some of our teens last, last Sunday. And when the Bible, and I don't fully understand this, but the Bible teaches, though, that when we got saved, we became a new creation. We became a new man in Christ Jesus, or new woman in Christ Jesus, uh, Corinthians tells us later on. We're, we're a new person. We have a new nature, new desires, new longings. But if you've read Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7, you know that there's still a battle within you. Even without reading those verses, you know as a Christian that there are still temptations. There are still things that you're like, where did that urge come from? Where did that desire come from? I'm a Christian. I shouldn't want to do that. that. That shouldn't be interesting to me. And Paul talks about that. Um, uh, Steve calls it the doo-doo chapter in chapter 7 of like the things that I, I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I, I don't do, those are the things that I, I, I want to do. And it's like, he's like back and forth, like, I know I want to do good, but I don't do it, and I, and I don't want to do bad, but I end up doing some of the bad things. And, and Paul is like talking about that spiritual wrestling match that goes within. There's this sin principle within us that is still there. You can call it sin nature, sin principle, the old man, whatever you want to call it. But it's there, always knocking at the door. And every day you and I have a choice whether to give in to that old fleshly nature or live according to the Spirit. And uh, these Christians here in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul's addressing in 1 Corinthians, were continually giving in to that old man. They were living according to their natural inclinations, their old way of living. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, what this looks like. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These were people who kept going back to those things, going back to those truths. Now this brings up a whole discussion of, because Paul just said in that in that Galatians 5 passage, that people who live this way do not inherit God's kingdom. I think he's saying that they're, they're not, they're not going to make it. Uh, what I think set the Corinthians apart from someone like this, who's just given over. Like, yeah, I call myself a Christian, but I've got no, my, my life doesn't look like it. That's these Galatians 5 situation here. I think what sets the Corinthians apart was that there was still, a, there was still evidence of the Holy Spirit in that they were, they were, uh, worshiping together, they were still, um, uh, they, had, they had doctrinal questions, they were wanting to learn and grow, but they had been stunted in their growth, they were still in that infant stage, and that's why Paul, I, I believe, that's why Paul would still say that they were believers, that's why he calls them brothers and sisters, because there were still marks of, of, of their faith there, um, even though there was tremendous immaturity. Um, six of these 15 qualities listed, listed in Galatians 5 have to do with divisiveness. And that's what was coming, uh, becoming evident in among the believers here. And as you look at 
verse 4, you see the third characteristic is that they were petty. Um, they, were, they were empty, they were worldly, and they were petty. And uh, he says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? They were, they were, they were dividing and arguing over stupid things. Well, I think the best teacher is Apollos. Well, I'm putting all my money on Paul. And they were arguing over who was the better teacher and who they were going to line up behind. They were petty. I follow Paul. There was this self-centeredness. There was this selfishness. As we look around churches today, and our church is no different. We still see these kinds of things. There are Believers here who should be eating meat and they're not. Some of you are content with just coming here on Sunday mornings and having no other spiritual life throughout the week or two or three minutes here and there with God and that's it. Paul would call you a spiritual infant. He says, listen, you need to progress. You need to go beyond where you're at. You need to go beyond the, the self-centeredness. He, he, he says in verse 3, you're still of the flesh, for while there's jealousy and strife among you, you're not, uh, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? This self-centeredness, this, this pettiness often manifests itself in complaining and whining and, and just petty disagreements and arguments. Paul wants us as Christians to move beyond that, to grow hungry for the deep things of God. Wonder this morning. See, no, the thing with being, a, being someone who drinks only milk, being a spiritual infant, is that there's nobody who, well, I don't think there would be anybody if we took a show of hands who'd be like, yeah, I'm a spiritual baby and I'm proud of it. I've been, been a Christian for 25 years, I've been here at the church, and I'm still a spirit. It's not something that we, uh, we readily see in ourselves, right? I wrote down a few characteristics, the difference between milk, eater, milk drinkers and meat eaters. Uh, milk drinkers frequently think about themselves, what other people can do for them. They're centered on their own needs and their own wants. Meat eaters are thinking about others, how they can minister to others, how they can reach others. Milk drinkers are content with a Sunday sermon as being their only spiritual sustenance or maybe a, a two or three minute devotional in the morning and then giving no other thought to God's word and to prayer. Whereas a meat eater longs like David. David says, I, on your words I meditate day and night. A meat eater doesn't say, well, I did my Bible reading for a few minutes today and now I'm good and I can move on to the rest of everything. Someone who is taking in meat longs to chew on and think about the Word of God throughout the day, longs to look for opportunities to spend more time with God, uh, even during the, 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 those menial moments or those uh, empty moments of our day, just longing to you turn those into times of prayer or meditation upon God's Word. A milk drinker completely relies on others to feed them. You know, when, when you have a newborn, uh, uh, there's, they're completely helpless. 
in every way. There's nothing they can do for themselves. They can't change their diaper. They can't get dressed. They can't, um, certainly can't feed themselves. They, they're not even coordinated enough to be able to hold the bottle up in those first days and weeks. You have to feed them. But a, a, an adult should be, in fact, hopefully before adulthood, you should be able to learn how to use a fork and a knife and a spoon and be able to feed yourself. And, and as spiritual people, the, the same is true. We should know how to feed ourselves. Don't get me wrong, I love it when I get phone calls saying, Pastor, I, I've been, I ran into this, this passage of Scripture I was studying and I, I'm just wrestling with it. I love those phone calls. But I love it when I hear someone say, I have wrestled with it, and I've studied this, and I looked up these passages, and I still am not certain. Those are the ones, those are the conversations I want to dive into, not the kind of person who just read something and then their first thing to do is to phone a friend and ask for help, but to, to, to study and to be able to turn to cross-references and use scriptural helps to, to mine the truths of God's Word. Meat-eaters know how to feed themselves. Milk drinkers complain about the church the music, the, the things that aren't getting done, the lack of activities or programs. Meat eaters use their gifts in church. They see, they see holes, they see needs, and they long to step forward and to use their spiritual gifts to meet those needs. And if their spiritual gifts don't particularly fit that ministry, then they try to help cultivate others to fill in who maybe are more gifted in that realm. Milk drinkers sit back and wait for others to do the work. Meat eaters are those who long to step in, whether it's something to do with a physical need around here or, more importantly, with spiritual needs, longing to make disciples, longing to pour into others. Milk drinkers <laughs> complain about enough, not enough people from the church or the pastors checking on them during the pandemic. <laughs> Meat eaters take the initiative and choose to reach out to others during times of difficulties. An infant, a spiritual child, is going to say, why didn't you do, why didn't you do this for me? Why didn't you check on me? Why didn't you, why didn't you do this for me? But a spiritual adult, someone who's taking in nourishment, is going to look and say, you know what, we're struggling right now. There's, there's difficulties right now. Who can I bless? Who can I call this week? Who can I visit? Who can I send an encouraging scripture text to this morning? They're constantly looking outward because that's flowing out of the meat that they're eating. They're diving into the Word of God. They're filling up. They're being strengthened and sustained. And they've got energy then to look outward and say, I'm going to share a little bit of food with this person. I'm going to share a little bit of food with this person. And I'm going to share a little bit of food with this person. You know what that is? That's discipleship. That's discipleship. That's you've taken in the Word of God, and now you're look, looking to feed others who are hungry. Whether that's at work during your lunch hour, whether that's teaching a class here, whether that's meeting one-on-one -on -one with a young person. I'm going to tell you something that I thought was a tremendous rebuke. Um, last Sunday, I was filling in for Joshua there with our, our high school guys during our 10 o'clock discipleship community hour. And I was taught, we were talking about spiritual growth. And I was talking about uh, how, uh, I'll say this in front of you, I said this behind your back last week, but I was talking that Josh is a, is a weirdo. Because Joshua has not even been a believer two years, and this guy is, is coming to me with, with questions or topics and discussions about Bible doctrines that, that I haven't heard many Christians who've been believers 30 years that want to talk about and understand and apply, 
And I said, do you realize like this guy's growing by leaps and bounds? God's working on his heart. And, and sanctification is different for all of us. But, but some, of, some of us are still back here because we've impeded the process. We're still spiritual infants. There are other circumstances. Maybe you weren't in a good Bible-teaching church. Maybe no one ever discipled you and taught you how to study the Word of God. And so maybe you did get off to a slow start. There are all kinds of reasons why we grow at different spiritual reasons. But a lot of it is because of our own choices. Because we don't want to take time to dig deeply into the Word of God. And so I just said, man, it's so exciting to see uh, Joshua. And so not only was he, is he growing uh, in his faith, but when we had a need to be able to uh, teach this class, he stepped right up and jumped right in to want to disciple you guys and to pour into your hearts. And I, I'll never forget one of the young men in there said, man, if our church was doing what we're supposed to do, shouldn't there be a line of people waiting to disciple us? This is a high school kid. And some of you have never discipled anyone in your entire life. Shouldn't there be a line of people waiting to pour into us? What are we doing if we're not pouring into the next generation, if we're not teaching people how to eat the meat of the Word of God? Because let me tell you, there wasn't a line. We were begging for helpers. We were begging for people to teach. And even if you say, maybe I'm not a teacher, I'm not a teacher, that's fine. But everybody's called to be a disciple maker. And there are young men and young women in this church and outside this church in our community. There are, there are young people, there are old people, there are people who need to be discipled. And if we claim to be those who are taking in meat, then we should be reaching out to others and pouring into others with a glad and generous heart. This is our calling. This is the Great Commission. Finally, as we close, he says in these final four verses, final five verses, that there's a power for this growth. And he says in verse 7, So it's neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It almost sounds like it contradicts what we've been saying, that, that uh, well, if it's only God who does it, then, hey, I'm a spiritual baby, it's it's God's fault, not mine. I mean, God's the one that gives the growth. If I don't have it, then that means he hasn't given it to me. You could, you could see how someone could run with that, but that's, that's not what he's saying here. He, they were relying too much on Paul and Apollos and other teachers, and, and Paul was like taking his pride out of the picture, and he says, listen, it's not us who brings about growth. God is the one who gives the growth. So what happens, he says, I plant, Apollos waters, but it's God who gives the increase. So as believers, our responsibility is to do that planting, is to do that watering. The planting is that initial stage, right, of sharing the gospel. That watering encompasses that whole realm of discipleship and spiritual growth. But ultimately, you and I can't control how that other person's going to respond. We can't make people grow at, at certain speeds. There's no formula for spiritual growth. But we can be faithful. We need to be faithful. We must, we must proclaim the Word of God. We must pour into the next generation. And then we trust God with what's going to happen. He gives the increase. That's His work, not ours. In these verses, Paul makes the point, contrary to what the Corinthians thought, 
that both he and Apollos are servants who belong to God, whose different tasks come from God, and whose success depends entirely upon God. That's, that's the great promise here of, of all of this, that as we seek, to, we seek to be faithful to what he's calling, pouring into others the Word of God, teaching the Scriptures, walking with others in the everyday stuff of life like we talked about this summer. It's not up to us to make people grow. God is the one who gives, brings the harvest. My brothers and sisters, my challenge to you this morning is to st- take a step back and, 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 and truly ask God to give you an answer to the question, God, am I a spiritual baby? We would be so, so disappointed to have our grown adult child who is mentally and physically healthy still acting like an infant. I do not believe that God is pleased when He sees those who have been a part of His church or His family for 5, 10, 15, 30, 40 years still acting like spiritual babies. Let's go before God and say, God, is this passage talking about me? Am I a spiritual infant? Or am I way behind where I'm supposed to be, God? Ask God's Spirit to reveal that to you, because I think He will. See, God is good and gracious to reveal uh, sin and disobedience in our life. But He always follows it up with how we can begin to get on track. You see, if, if God answers that in your life in the affirmative that that, yes, my child, you are a spiritual baby, and you shouldn't be anymore. He's not just going to leave you there feeling guilty and bad about yourself. See, our God is good, and our God then will say, if you're willing, if you'll humble your heart, let's begin the growth process today. I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to begin that growth process today? And if you are a spiritual adult, if, if you consider yourself a spiritual adult, then, then uh, are you raising any kids? Are, are you helping anybody come out of that stage of infancy today? If you don't know how to do it, let's sit down and talk. We'll talk about how, how, where to start, how to begin. I know that's God's plan for you because it's, it's all over Scripture and it's so clear in the Great Commission. Go make disciples. So let's begin to act like spiritual adults and to raise others up to a spiritual adulthood. Let's, let's listen to the Spirit of God and act like grown-ups. Let's pray. God, these words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians had to be hard for them to hear. There's very strong indications from 1 Corinthians that these men and women thought of themselves as spiritual And Paul bursted that bubble and and said, you're still babies. So God, if we came here this morning, if we've been coasting through the Christian life and we're thinking that we're something that we're not, would you reveal that to us, God? If we're a spiritual child and we should be a spiritual adult and we're blind to that, would you help us to see And we thank you, God, that you don't desire to leave us there. I pray then that that we would make strides to grow and that we as a church would, would be able to help 
and come alongside those who need and want to grow and, and, and show them how to do that and walk with them through that. Father, it's your desire that we mature, not for the sake of being mature, but because we've all been given, a, given gifts and we've all been given a mandate to go and to make disciples. We don't know how short the time is, but we know that we're living in a, in a day and in a culture and in an age right now where this world desperately needs Jesus. We can't sit back on our haunches and wait for somebody else to do it. We can't wait and let our neighbor, our children, our co-workers, our family members head toward a Christless eternity while we sit back and do nothing. Lord God, stir in our hearts a desire to grow. Show us how to grow. And as we're growing, may we be going and go into this community, go into our county, and go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we may be no more infants, but as those who have matured and grown up in Christ and are continuing to grow. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in all your troubles and darknesses, remember that what you are and what you have, you've been loved with an everlasting love. You are supported by everlasting arms. You are recipients of everlasting love and heirs of an everlasting kingdom, all sealed and made sure by the blood of an everlasting covenant. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week.